You're listening to The Course Creator Show, the podcast all about building your online course business. We talk about marketing strategy, making money, and creating a business with impact that gives you freedom and lights you up. I'm Gemma Bonham Carter, a Canadian mom of two, a speaker, a real estate investor, a reality TV lover, and an online business strategist who has helped thousands of entrepreneurs create, launch, and scale their digital course businesses. Let's dive into this episode. Hey there, and welcome back to The Course Creator Show. This is your host, Gemma Bonham Carter. I'm an online business strategist and the founder of Course Creator School and The Passive Project. So in the last episode of this podcast, if you haven't tuned into that one, you might want to click pause right now and go tune into last week's episode because I revealed this you know, kind of big secret that I've been keeping from all of you for months now, which is that we are moving, my family and I are moving to France from Canada, we're based in Canada, we're moving to France at the end of August for a full year abroad as a family. And so in episode one, I kind of went through like why France, choosing the city that we're moving to, which is Aix-en-Provence, why we chose that, what we're going to be doing during our year abroad, and just a little bit around our decision-making of, you know, why we're doing this, why we're doing it now. And today, in part two of this series, I kind of want to get into a bit more of the logistics of how we are making this happen. Because as we have been sharing this with family and friends in our community, I've been getting a lot of questions, a lot of questions from people who are interested in just, maybe just interested, you know, because it's something different, but also interested because they're thinking of maybe trying to do a year abroad or something similar. So I wanted to kind of walk you through a bunch of these, I don't know, the the logistics, the decisions, the things we have had to think about and do over the last year to really make this happen. Because we made this decision basically one year ago. And so Within that year, we had to decide on all these things and get all these things lined up so that we can successfully do this move. And it's not that it's felt like a lot, but it has been this ongoing, you know, there's been ongoing things happening behind the scenes so that everything is going to come together while we're away. So let me walk you through some of like the main things. Number one has been, I've been getting a lot of questions of like, how did you find a place to live? So, you know, when you go on holiday, you know, you might go and look at hotels, you might look at Airbnb, you might look at VRBO, you know, options like that to find a place to stay. Well, when you're going somewhere for a year, you better believe that the things like Airbnb, those add up real fast, right? You know, staying somewhere for like 10 months or 12 months on an Airbnb rate is like a huge amount of money. And so, Obviously, you need to tap into the more local rental market, and that can be hard to do from abroad. So I do know that some people actually get like real estate agents, local real estate agents to find them uh, accommodation. I started off by joining a whole bunch of expat groups in, there's like one that was for the city we are moving to, which is Aix-en-Provence. There was like a Facebook expat group just for people in that city. But then there were also like expat Facebook groups just for people in France in general, or there was even one that was like Canadians in France. Um, So I joined all of these different Facebook groups and really just started to 
dive into them and like see what people were writing about. It's not that I was super active in there. I was more like watching the conversations that were happening in there already because a lot of people had the same questions about finding accommodation. And so, yes, a lot of folks would get a local real estate agent to help them find an apartment. That was like thing number one. But I obviously went and started to really just go down the rabbit hole of like trying to find something online. And so what ended up working for me was finding this website called sabbaticalhomes.com. And it's really meant for people or families who are going and living abroad, let's say for a year to work at a university, to work at a hospital, something like that. And so the places that are listed there are very suitable for families typically, and uh, they tend to be like located in larger or mid-size cities and are a better price because they're more in line with like the local rental market as opposed to something like Airbnb. So long story short with our situation, I landed on sabbaticalhomes.com, reached out to a few different um, of the of the ones that I found in the city we wanted to go to. And one of them, which I thought looked kind of nice, but it was a little bit far out of the city, but I thought, oh, I'll reach out to them anyway. I reached out to them and they wrote back and said, well, listen, based on what you've just described, because I described who we were, why we were moving there and kind of a bit about our situation. They said, well, based on what you've described, I actually don't think that this place that we have and we've listed on sabbatical homes is the right fit for you because it was kind of outside of the city. And we really didn't want to have to buy a car if we could avoid it. And they said, but we actually have another place. And so let me send you the information on that other place. So they sent me this link that had, it was like a very um, homegrown website, let's say, very DIY website, which I totally loved and appreciated. And it listed their other apartments. And they're just like, um, they're an older couple who have over time, obviously purchased several uh, properties that they rent out. And so one of these properties had, several different apartments in it. So it's like a larger building right in Aix-en-Provence and it had several different apartments, one of which was going to become available, you know, at the right time for us and it was the right sort of size for us. And so we looked at it online, looked through all the pictures and it was looking really great. So I asked, uh, the price was right too, the price was right in line with our budget. So I also asked them, you know, oh, can you put me in touch with whoever's renting from you right now just so I can speak to them kind of like as a reference and you wouldn't believe it. The people who are renting it that like this past year come from Ottawa, the same city that we are from. Like how wild is that? They're another Ottawa family. Not only were they another Ottawa family who had moved to X for a year, but they had two kids just like us, a boy and a girl. Now the ages were slightly different. Their boy was like the older of the two kids. But their daughter was literally the same age as our daughter. And so she had experience going to the local school. She had made friends. You know, we could really hear about their experience living there. And I honestly just thought when I found out that they were from Ottawa, I just felt like that was the universe being like, yep, this is the one for you, Gemma. Like, stop looking because you have found the right place. So we chatted with them a little bit, got the lay of the land, and ultimately decided to rent that apartment. And like I explained in part one of this two-part series, we did go and visit the apartment ahead of time. Like we went for a trip in May um, before we moved there just to like make sure that 
it was in line with what we were hoping for. And so anyway, they gave us a tour. We met the landlords. They're lovely. Like we just felt really good about our choice. So that was how we found a place to live. So if you are looking to do something similar, I really recommend getting into those Facebook groups if you can, searching around online, and then if you need to, contacting a local real estate agent to find you a local rental. Because it can be hard to do it online. You're always worried about scams and things like that. We just paid a deposit on ours before we went and viewed it. So it's not like we kind of said to ourselves like, okay, if this ends up being a crapshoot, or just doesn't end up being like to line up with what we had wanted. We knew we would be out the deposit, but that was okay. Like we made that sort of calculated decision. So that was how we found a place to live. The second part of this whole thing was figuring out the kids and their schooling. So we knew that we wanted to put our kids into French school. Like a big part of why we wanted to do this year abroad was for them to get really good at their French. It's something that it's a language they're already learning here in Ottawa. At home, they go to what's called like a French immersion school where a lot of the day is in French. But we really wanted to like immerse them in it more deeply. And so definitely wanted a French school, not like some English speaking school in France, right? And we also didn't want to send them to a private school. Like we weren't really interested in sending them to an international school. We just felt like, well, A, I think, don't really know, but I think they're really expensive. (laughs) And B, we wanted the authentic French experience. And so once we had sort of figured out where we were going to be living, we found that apartment. I went and looked, I just sort of Googled the local schools so I could get a sense of what they were like. And honestly, couldn't find much information online, right? You can kind of see some pictures on like the Google Maps listing and maybe even a couple of reviews on the Google listing, but there's not much else you can find. So when we went there in person in May, we did kind of like walk by the school and saw it from the outside. And we actually peeked and kind of saw the, the, the yard and where the kids were at recess and our kids could sort of see it. And it sort of made it feel a little bit more more real and more maybe like less intimidating for our kids because they could see that it looked like a friendly school, right? So we could kind of see the local school, but getting them into the local school was kind of a whole other thing. If you have, I don't know, any experience with like the French system, you will know that there can often be a lot of paperwork, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of, just a lot of steps involved. And so we ended up needing to, so you have to like apply to their kind of like their ministry of education for the local region. And what was challenging was, well, A, it just, they needed a ton of paperwork. So that's fine. We just collected it all. Uh, Just took some time to sort of get it all together. But the second piece was that they really needed you to like be there in person to apply. They didn't want you to just mail it in. So that was a little tricky. We did it while we were there in May on that sort of quick visit. But in the end, we didn't have one of the pieces of paperwork correct um, at that time. And so we sort of had to go away with our package and send it back in. And by that time, we had we weren't there in person anymore. So luckily for us, we have this lovely landlord who is really exceptionally helpful. And so she actually helped by going in to this sort of ministry of education and just making sure that they processed it. And they were lovely. It was just, we just needed that kind of help to get them 
to, to actually go through with processing it. Because at one point they were saying like, oh, okay, well, no problem. Just come in once you're here and we'll process it once you're here. But we don't plan to get there until a week before school starts. And so that was making me panic, thinking that we're going to get there. And for some reason, our kids are not going to be enrolled in school. And what would we do then? You know, so actually, we were so lucky to have a landlord that we could kind of lean on and help us um, just finalize that process. And so once they were enrolled, though, we've been able to communicate with the school. We had a little chat with them over the phone and um, kind of everything is going well from that perspective. So that was kind of the second part of this was like getting all that paperwork in and getting that process done. The third big logistical piece is the visa. So anytime you go to live abroad in any country, Obviously, you need to look at like what the visa requirements are and how you can travel to a country like that for an extended period of time and on what type of visa. So this is information that like depending on if you are thinking of going abroad, it's going to vary depend on depending on which country you choose because every country is going to have different requirements. Unfortunately, the thing that would have made this so much easier is that I am uh, a British citizen. I have a British passport thanks to my dad who was born and raised there. And had Brexit not happened, it would have been no biggie for us to go and live in any EU country, uh, which would have made the whole visa thing kind of a non-issue. However, since Brexit has happened, we are still able to go and live in England if we want to easily, but just meant that we had to actually apply for a long-term visitor visa for France. And I'm really not going to go into the like the whole rigmarole of that on this podcast because I don't want to bore you to tears. However, all I will say is that once again, it required so much paperwork. Like we couldn't even believe how much paperwork we had to get organized and print out and submit, which was fine. It just takes more time than you anticipate it's going to take. And even the process of like getting an appointment at the it's not the consulate, but it's like the the company who handles all of the visa applications, just getting an appointment with them and then getting in for that appointment, them get, you know, processing everything and getting it sent to the consulate and then waiting for our passports to come back from the consulate just took more time than we were anticipating. And what kind of felt a bit panicky for me was that and someone who likes as someone who likes to like plan and just be ahead on things was that with the French system they do not allow you to apply for a long-term visitor visa until 3 months before you want to go so we were planning this year abroad for the whole year leading up to it without actually having confirmation that France was going to let us come for you know the 10 months or whatever So that was just for me, like, I think I just had like low grade anxiety uh, for the whole year, kind of knowing that we were like making all these decisions and planning our life to go there and just still didn't have kind of the final permission. So the day that our visas came in, in the mail, like, I can't even tell you how relieved I was. I have this like series of pictures that I took and I sent to my husband over text because I just, it was like I was jumping for joy when those came in the mail. So that was a bit of a bit of a stressful period. And part of the reason, to be honest, why I didn't share this news any earlier with you guys, with my email list, with my audience in general, was because I honestly didn't want to 
A, jinx it, and B, like, I felt like, okay, what if, if we don't get it? Like, in my head, I was going to these, like, plan B, C, D, E, F options of, like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Um, because at that point, we'd already, like, rented out our house and gotten our whole lives ready to be abroad for a year. So let me move into that part of the logistics, which was, you know, we own a home in Ottawa, and obviously we weren't just going to leave and have it be empty for a year. So we needed to find a tenant and actually rent out our home for the year. So that was a whole other like bit of the logistics around this. And at first I sort of thought like, okay, well, maybe I'll just list it myself. I'll kind of post it on our local, we have like a local Facebook group, I'll circulate it within my networks, and I can just kind of find, maybe I'll be able to find someone that way. And honestly, that also took a bit of time of like putting the listing together, taking pictures, like describing the house, all that kind of stuff, and then putting it up on these different places. And we did actually get quite a few people reaching out and being interested, but none were at the... I guess at the, like, the level at which we wanted to rent our home, they were looking for something more inexpensive. So in the end, honestly, it didn't take long. It was like after two weeks of trying to do that, I was like, forget it. I want to get an agent, like a real estate agent, to help us do this because we wanted to rent our house at a premium price. And where are premium price like people hanging out who are looking for rentals? Well, they're getting a real estate agent, Right. And so it all happens at like the real estate agent level, not in Facebook groups or on, I don't know, some other listing site. So I quickly realized this and we went to a local agent who we actually had already, we've already worked with her. She knew our house already and she's very well known in our local neighborhood. And so we went to her and she got it listed on the MLS and we had showings like within 24 hours, there were showings booked and we had a whole bunch of showings, some of which people actually made an offer, but it was never quite the right fit. It was like, oh, they wanted it for two years, not one. Or another one was they had a cat and like my husband has horrible cat allergies. So we just, you know, we didn't want to have to come back and like have him, you know, practically be like allergic to our home now. So we, but after about two weeks um, of showings, we got a great applicant. It was like the dream situation of, he, it was someone who is renovating their home and they were looking for somewhere to live for a year while they renovated their own home. And they have kids right around the same age as ours. So like from a bedroom perspective, it just like, it's like they slotted into our house perfectly. So we were able to rent it furnished, which was what we always wanted to do because we didn't want to have to move all of our furniture out. And yes, it took a lot, a lot of energy to like pack up our house. We basically put all of our stuff into one storage room in our house and just like put a lock on the door. It's kind of like one of those horrible closets you have where like you've stuffed it so full. It's like if you open the door, it's all going to fall out on you. It's a little bit that situation right now, but we put everything up into there. We had to like depersonalize the home. So anywhere that you have like pictures of us or something like that, we had to switch those out. And you know, that stuff just takes more, I don't know, more time, but also just like more thoughtfulness than you kind of realized. So you have to go through like every drawer, every shelf. It's definitely a process, but we got through it and um, got it all ready and then took all of our own stuff and 
in the meantime, have moved it out actually to my parents' place because we are spending the summer at our usual like cottages, family cottages and stuff like that. So we just have all of our stuff for France sitting at my parents' house because we're not leaving for another until the end of August. So, and and that actually like now that we've gone through it and I'm not in the middle of, of packing and moving anymore, you know, was relatively... I'm not going to say it was painless because it was a lot of work, but it was like it went as smoothly as it could have gone. And our tenant has moved in and just feels like a really good fit. So, you know, those are some of the big things that you need to think about if you're thinking of doing a trip abroad. The other piece is like deciding whether or not you're going to like what you're going to do for vehicles. So for us, for our car at home, we own a car. And so we're actually just parking it for the year and asking uh, my in-laws to kind of turn it on and run it every so often, uh, and but it'll basically just be sitting in a garage for the year. And then when we are in France, we made the decision not to purchase a car while we're there. It's really inexpensive to rent, and there's such great train systems, and our apartment is located somewhere where everything is walking distance. So we just feel like if we want to do weekend trips away, like we're just going to rent a car. It's not a big deal. And then we don't have to worry about maintenance and insurance and you know, selling it again when we leave and all those types of things, which can just feel like a bit of a headache. So that's our plan from a vehicle perspective. And then there's also the insurance perspective. So going abroad for a year, you obviously need to think about things like health insurance. And so we've gone ahead and purchased, it's actually a part of like the visa requirements for moving to France is that you need to demonstrate that you have health insurance. And so we've had to purchase kind of additional health insurance from an intern it's it's basically a company that specializes in insurance for expats and so we've gone ahead and like gotten a year's worth of health insurance for us while we're over there so there are all these like little things that you just need to do along the way so but that's really it i would say those were the big pieces of the logistics and the organizing of being able to make this trip happen from a work perspective, like we made a decision that my husband will take a year break from his work. And um, the nice thing about my company is that it can, t- you know, it can run from anywhere. I have staff, you know, it's set up in a way that allows for this kind of this kind of thing. Right. So from that perspective, we're really fortunate. So that's the scoop on the logistics of us moving to France. Do you, I, I would love to hear if any of you guys have questions, um, if this has been helpful, if you're thinking of doing a, you know, maybe a, a move abroad, I would love to hear about that. Or maybe you've already done one and you have some like helpful tips or advice to share. I feel like we'll definitely be doing more episodes in the future about maybe some of the things that I learn while I'm abroad, but maybe I could also like crowdsource some advice or tips or, or stories from our listeners and be able to bring those into an episode. Because I know that so many of you listeners, the reason why you follow me is because, sure, you want to learn about online business. And I obviously love dishing marketing strategies and ways in which to grow your online course business and you know, grow your audience and scale your revenue and all of those things. That's my shtick, right? That's what we usually talk about over here. But I also know that so many of you follow me because I love to prioritize things like flexibility, freedom, travel, hanging with my family, building a business that can run in a lot of ways without me tending to it 24-7. Like I know that a lot of you 
vibe with me on that. And so my guess is, is that there are many of you listening right now who maybe have done years abroad like this before or are planning to make it happen or you're, you know, you're going to be doing more travel and really want to work this into your lifestyle too. So I would love to hear from you if that's the case. Send me a DM over on Instagram. I'm at Gemma.BonhamCarter. You can find me over there or send us an email to hello at GemmaBonhamCarter.com. I also mentioned this at the end of the part one episode before this one about like my sort of struggle with kind of trying to think ahead on how I'm going to share my time in France. Because if you like, I love, I do genuinely love to like document things and share them. However, I don't want like, this podcast or my email list or my Instagram to just become about life in France, right? That's not the core, you know, message of my brand or that's not really my niche. So I am struggling a little bit with figuring out how best to share this stuff with all of you. Is this me, I don't know, developing like a second Instagram handle? Is it me doing uh, a podcast episode once a month just about like the France recap from the month? Like I'm unsure of how I'm going to do that. So again, if you have any suggestions or hot tips or ways in which you would love to like follow along in the journey, I'm totally open to hearing that. So get in touch with me because yeah, I would just love to get to hear your two cents. All right, that is it for this episode. As always, it means so much to me. If you can leave a five-star rating or review of the podcast, it really helps it get it get this show seen by more listeners. Uh, and I would just give you a big virtual high five and a big hug if you were be able to do that. And you can do that on any listener that you use, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever, you can leave a rating and review. So that would do me a big solid. That's a wrap on this one. I will see you in the next episode. That's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're ready to launch your first course, sign up for our free class in the show notes to learn my method on how to do it successfully and unlock an invite into our signature program, Course Creator School. Or if you've already launched a course and you're ready to scale and go evergreen, it is time to join us inside of the Passive Project, my membership community for experienced course creators. Head to gemmabottomcarter.com forward slash apply to submit an application. If you enjoyed this episode, leave me a rating or review or tag me over on Instagram at gemma.bottomcarter. I would love to hear from you. I'll see you next time on the Course Creator Show.